start and a big turnout here from all corners of the Outer Rim Territories. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Bunta Eve Radio. My name is Mike DeRose. Thanks for tuning in. This week, I'm actually recording the podcast from in my car as I return home from D23. I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown of what I saw at the show and what I saw at the panel. I know a lot of it's been covered online, but I'm not sure how much of it will be first-hand, awesome, Mike DeRose, Boone to Eve Radio uh, coverage. And the answer is zero, because I'm not putting it anywhere else except for on this podcast. So you lucky few who are listening, good for you. You get an exclusive. So I drove up very early Friday morning to go to California so I could check out the Star Wars Land exhibit, which they had announced the night before. Um, My goal was to go take care of a few things like that, walking around, taking the show, and then get in line at a quote-unquote reasonable time of about 8 p.m., which would have allowed me to relax a little. But when I got to the show, I saw that there was already a giant line outside as of about 2.30, lining up already for the Saturday panel. Now, if you have not attended D23, one of the biggest things that uh, people chase there is merchandising, which I know uh, exclusives are always very popular. However, D23 kind of takes it to another level uh, to the point where essentially half the line that's lining up splits off to go buy merchandise and they don't really care about the panels. Um, so I was able to check out Star Wars Land when I first got there around 2.30 and it was about a 20 minute line to actually just get in to look at the, I think it was 50 feet long, maybe not 50 feet, maybe 20 feet, 20 feet is definitely more reasonable a 20-foot-long model of what Star Wars Land is going to look like. They'd also set up various props, which it appears they're going to tie into the Star Wars Land motif. They had a couple of things from the First Order, because it looks like it's going to be a First Order versus the Resistance theme going on within that uh, Star Wars Land. So they had a First Order outfit, a helmet, a blaster, uh, electro-binoculars. Then they also had some miniature models of things like um, a turret or an energy field from the resistance, as well as some various uh, speeders, which it looks like they're going to be part of the rides that they're going to have in Star Wars Land. And they also had, around the exhibit, tons of art, and I'll actually tweet those out from the account when I post the video so you guys can kind of see some of the photos I took, and really just to give you a feel of how it's supposed to look when the time comes. Doug Chang actually did a lot of the work and the design, so it's going to feel very familiar to what we've been seeing over the last 15, 16, actually, sorry, close to 20 years now since episode one came out and he's been working on that team. Um, So once you get in there, they have, uh, essentially they've built in the portals which you will enter Star Wars Land from, and there's kind of a, a tree wooded area on one side But then the other side is a complete city town. And throughout, they're going to have X-Wings, TIE Fighters. I think I saw an A-Wing in there. There's also going to be the Millennium Falcon tucked in the back, which at least it looks like you're going to be allowed to walk through it. I'm not sure if it's going to be a ride, but just the ability to walk around the Millennium Falcon itself is going to be absolutely amazing when the time comes. Um, They also had people there answering questions if uh, you had stuff you were wondering about. But those people were generally were pretty busy, so I didn't want to bother them when they were busy taking care of the other stuff. Then, 
once I finished uh, waiting, uh, going through that line and checking out the details, I went, actually a side uh, adventure, I went to go check out the Marvel booth where they had the costumes from Black Panther and Thor, and those are really cool. I won't go into too much detail, but if you're interested in Marvel stuff, definitely check out those photos. They did some amazing costume work for Black Panther. I mean, it's just absolutely stunning. It looks great in the trailer, but seeing them in person is just next level stuff. It's very impressive. So once I was done doing that, I decided to go get in line. It was about 3.30, still warm-ish, probably 88, 89 degrees outside. Um, but I was fortunate enough to make friends with the people around me. And if you've gone to cons before, you you already know the benefit of making friends with the people around you. Because then you're not stuck in line the entire time. Everybody's pretty cool about holding your spot so you can go get dinner, go to the bathroom, all that good stuff. So around 9 o'clock, I believe, they let us in to go to the basement. Now, if you've done the convention center in Anaheim, you know there's a giant basement that's on one end of the building... Now, with Celebration, two years ago in Anaheim, they had us line up in that basement and then walk all the way across the convention center to go to the giant auditorium for the major panels. Now, at D23, they do the major panel literally above that basement, and there's the escalators that go up that are kind of hidden behind um, retractable doors. So you spend that night in that basement, and one of the things people don't realize is that they pump that air conditioning really strong because they're you know they have thousands of people down there which is great when you first walk in from the outside during the summer but the problem is about three o'clock in the morning everybody or most people are trying to sleep no one's moving around and it gets freezing down there you definitely wish you had a jacket which is very strange to say in 90 degree weather but a jacket was almost a must um they actually and then what was nice is they have tv set up in the areas where you're lining up and they were actually playing four movies. One of them was Rogue One. So it was nice to catch a, a Star Wars movie at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then the way they have this set up, it's, it's three sections you can line up in, A, B, and C. B is in the center of the auditorium. So that's kind of the best possible seating. Because if you're too far on the sides for A or C, you only get to, even though you're in the room, you get to just watch the big screen. You're not really able to see who's on stage and what's going on. Um, but then when we walked in originally around 9 o'clock, they actually gave us our wristbands. In the past, what they did is they would have people line up during the night and then come back around 8 a.m. and pass out the wristbands. This actually let them keep track of what they had available. So it was actually a much better system. I will say the people running the overnight line and then the lines in the morning when the time, time, time came to enter the, uh, I think they call it uh, Hall D23, it was actually very well run. I mean, there was no panicking. Nobody was running. It was actually pretty civilized. And if you went to Celebration, you know that it wasn't necessarily the case there. So it was a nice change of pace not to be stressing out about people just trying to rush ahead and take spots. So they let us into the auditorium around... They started loading people in about 9.40. I didn't get in until around 10. And... One of the biggest things they do is because they show stuff which they don't want on the internet, they have you put your cell phones in these plastic bags, which, you know, the camera couldn't see through it, and then they, you have to essentially tape, you pull the uh, plastic away and it seals. So you get into hall, uh, you know, the, the main hall, and there's literally nothing for you to do except talk to people, which 
you know, back in the olden days, that was kind of normal, but now it's gasp. You know, people are without their phones, which also means most people don't have watches. So people get a little antsy waiting to, for the show to start. Um, so the big thing going into this live action panel is going to be covering Disney, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. The general idea going into it is that Marvel was probably going to have the biggest presence because of, because of Infinity War, and that's and actually ended up being what the case was. They started off the live action panel doing basic Disney stuff, and that was stuff like the uh, uh, Wrinkle in Time, a uh, the Mary Poppins sequel, Lion King live action, which was really cool to see, and a few other things that they were doing. They mentioned Aladdin casting. Um, but then the question was, what were they going to end the show on? Because you know they're going to end the show on a big announcement. So if it was going to be Marvel next and Lucasfilm closing out the show, there was a good chance they were going to announce something big. However, when they didn't, when they announced that Lucasfilm was going to go second, it kind of left the impression that they weren't going to be announcing anything major. And unfortunately, that ended up being the case when they kicked off the information, they spoke very briefly about the Han Solo movie, mentioning that Ron Howard and Kathleen Kennedy were right now at Pinewood in the UK getting some work done on the film, so they weren't there to show anything. They did not give us a title. They essentially came up with the five headshots of the main, the five main actors and just said, this is your cast, they're doing good work, we'll have stuff for you later, which was definitely a bit of a letdown. I know myself and a lot of other people were hoping at least to maybe see a photo of what these people look like in costume, especially, you know, Han and Lando, just to really kind of get a grasp on it because it would have been really cool to see. Um, then Ryan Johnson came out, and he introduced Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Gwendolyn Christie, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, I believe is her name, um, Benicio Del Toro, and Laura Dern. Now, I know a lot of the information is going to be out already in terms of the behind-the-scenes video that they shared publicly, which is fantastic. The only... Uh, things that were different was that during the live panel they Ryan Johnson, if you were at Celebration in Orlando, you saw that he takes a lot of photos himself on set and he was sharing those. Well, today was no different. Every actor that was on there, he shared a different behind-the-scenes photo. Um, there was not much that was different in terms of Ray and Phasma. Phasma, it was just a shot of Gwendolyn sitting down while they were prepping her for the shot. Ray was kind of a similar, just kind of behind the scenes, relaxing on the Falcon while they're getting ready, while they're actually getting Chewbacca ready for filming. Finn, on the other hand, looked a little battle-worn. I think there's some blood. It was black and white, so you couldn't tell for sure, but it looks like there's some blood coming down his forehead. Um, and they actually implied, not just implied, they pretty much said that he has a big fight coming up in the movie, and then things got awkward between him and Gwendolyn Christie. They're just kind of playing each other. So the implication is that Finn and Phasma are going to have a pretty interesting fight in the film. They actually got nose-to-nose like boxers do while promoting a match. And then Gwendolyn Christie actually leaned in and gave him a kiss on the nose. So it was adorable, but it was also nice little foreshadowing. Then we got the photo of uh, Kelly Marie's Rose, who she's playing as uh, alongside with Finn as, I think, the main supporting character. And now at the time, we didn't realize that she was going to be in disguise... But we saw the, um, the behind-the-scenes photo was her dressed up as a First Order officer. And then we, in the behind-the-scenes video, we saw her and Finn in disguise again. So that ended up being kind of non-news because of the behind-the-scenes video. 
the one that was interesting was Laura Dern and when they first released her Vanity Fair photos the implication was that she was strictly a politician but the photo that they had from her was her in a cloud of smoke holding a blaster and she confirmed that she uses the blaster in the film so it looks like we'll be seeing her character against some action the only one that they didn't really give us any hints about was uh, Denicio Del Toro's character, DJ. Again, they're just not saying much about him at all, so really not much to talk about with him. Even his behind-the-scenes photos were very similar to the Vanity Fair. Then Mark Hamill came out and Ryan Johnson sang his praises, and not much was said by Mark Hamill, nothing really in regards to Luke. And then they ended it with the behind-the-scenes video, which very, very interesting stuff in there. It looks like the animatronics they're using for the uh, creatures is just unbelievably fluid and natural looking. So that's going to be a fantastic thing to watch and enjoy. There's also some nice shots of Adam Driver training, fighting two people. And the same with Ray fighting three people. So we're not sure what those situations are going to look like. But at least we know there's something very, uh, there's going to be a lot of lightsaber action. Well, maybe not a lot, but some very interesting lightsaber action with interesting odds um and i've only had a chance to watch the video once in the hall and then once right after so i didn't catch a ton of the detail um but it really looks like they're putting a big focus on the creatures the aliens at least in this video so if you're into that stuff i mean it was just really cool to see uh one of the shots that really caught my eye was a shot of it's I, probably, I have to assume it's at the very beginning of the movie when Ray actually hands Luke the lightsaber back like she's trying to do at the beginning, at the end of episode seven. So the shot was actually Mark Hamill holding his old lightsaber for the first time. So, I mean, if you're like me, you can almost hear the music, the John Williams music swelling in the background when that happens. Um, but in terms of the other Star Wars stuff, there was not much else at D23. It was not Star Wars heavy. The weekend really belonged to Infinity War and Marvel, and they earned it. They did uh, that trailer was just unbelievably good. You'll enjoy seeing it when they release it online. Uh, and that's really it for the D23 reports. I wish there was a little more, but there's not. So I'm gonna get off now. And say thank you very much for listening, and I hope to see you guys or see get some feedback from you guys in the next couple of weeks after you listen to this one. I'll catch you guys in two weeks. Have a good one. Opinions expressed on this podcast are my own. Everything Star Wars related is owned by Lucasfilm and Disney. I do not make any money off of this podcast, so please do not sue me.